So one of the one of the um, ways to understand how we do what we do is video production or video creation or video design is obviously done with or without us. Um, the problem we solve is to democratize storytelling from just um, trained and experienced professionals using complicated software to allow anyone to do it. So one of the ways in which we can learn is just to watch these professionals, which obviously still continue to do their work. Um, and I, I love a lot of the videos that they create and, and, and we really pay attention to these big budget productions. Uh, and then we reverse engineer it. We deconstruct it to its base elements and essentials and ask ourselves if we were to enable someone like you or me to do that work, what would that look like? Today on Afternoon Tea, I am very super duper. That's extra super duper excited because I have the Michael, the Mike Chang. Is Would you prefer Mike or Michael? Mike? Oh, let's go with Michael. Michael it is. Michael Chang. Um, so let's set this up first. Michael Chang is the CEO and co-founder of Lumen5, an online video creation platform with over 750,000 users worldwide. Huge numbers. Michael started Lumen5 with a vision to democratize video creation so that anyone can easily produce engaging video content without prior video editing experience. Lumen5 has seen rapid growth in recent years and was featured by both Canadian business Business.com Startup List 2020 and the Globe and Mail's list of 100 top fastest growing companies in Canada. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, what a perfect radio voice. I'm not even going to try and top that. Uh, so just thank you for having me. Uh, you know what? It's a perfect radio voice, I suppose, but a face for radio too. So I, I, I definitely dig that. Well, you know what? Let's let's just go straight into the straight into the nitty gritty. Lumen Five. Where did the idea come from? And, and tell, well, tell me the backstory. Yeah, so what Lumen5 is, it's, it's, a, it's a video creation software. So what it does, what we do, is we enable anyone without video editing experience to create video content. Um, and why that's important is historically, as, at least in my upbringing, and, and as I grew up and went through school, video editing is seen as this extremely difficult thing to do. Uh, you know, it's Adobe software, it's layers, it's timelines. It's, it's, if you think video editing, you're probably imagining a very complicated process. And I was fascinated by it because um, that's what technology does. It, it takes complicated things and you make it simple. And we've seen it many, many times before. And the perfect analogy I like to think about is imagine a world without PowerPoint. How do you make a presentation without PowerPoint? Um, and PowerPoint just made it so easy that nowadays uh, anyone can make a PowerPoint. And that, that's, the, mm -hmm. that's a vision we, we, we had and continue to have. Um, and I say we had because I think in many ways we've achieved that. We, we've mm -hmm. enabled hundreds of thousands of people to create video content. Uh, just like you would in PowerPoint. Um, but uh, the, the reason I say that we, we still continue to hold that vision is because video is broad. There's lots of different types of videos and we want to enable people to make all sorts of different types of videos. Uh, and it just, it just felt relevant. Video is more relevant in, our, in today's society than ever before. Everyone's watching videos on, on all these social networks and mobile devices. I know personally, my phone has higher definition than I've ever seen since mm -hmm. I've been an iPhone user since iPhone one. And you can't barely see a photo on that thing. <laughs> so, so yeah, a lot, uh, a lot has changed in the world. And I, I love building technology to help people respond and adapt to those changes. Well, I love that. I love that. I, I mean, I will be honest with you. I did try out. I mean, after we, we, we slightly met on a clubhouse uh, chat and I'll, right. I'll get a little bit into that, uh, which was great. I mean, getting to learn um, all about, uh, you know, what you did and we're going to dig in a little bit more here. Um, but I, I did try out the software right after that. Um, and I can say it was simple. 
Like you make it simple because I, I mean, I'm blessed. I have a team of, you know, marketers and designers and it makes it easy, but I was able to produce something that I considered relatively professional without even doing much more than a search and a couple of clicks here and there. So I just want to salute you for, for, for creating such a, a simple to use platform um, first, first and foremostly. Um, but, but here, here's the question then, I guess, what is your, the, the majority of your users, are they North America? Are they like Canada, America? Are they in Europe? Where, where, where would they be? Oh, they are. So in the beginning, I think we, we very much focused in, in um, North America. And uh, I would say almost um, unintentionally, uh, it, when, you, when, when you get to hundreds of thousands of users, it's almost not explicitly. We didn't choose to, to invest in growth channels that made that happen, especially in the early days. It just grew organically. Um, and we have a... I'm a bit of a channel, as you can imagine, to keep an eye on the videos that are being created just so we can learn how our users are using, um, are using Lumen5. And so back when we had an office, back when we were in an office, mm -hmm. uh, we had this, this TV screen that just live streamed the videos that people were creating on the platform. Oh, awesome. Uh, and it was a very, very fascinating observation, which is that at certain times of day, different languages appear, different mm. contents, different cultures. Um, and that was fascinating because, uh, you know, sometimes I stay late, as you do as a founder, and you stay late enough and you see, oh, it's, what, what is this? It's a Chinese video. It's a Russian video. It's like, well, what's going on? And then we started digging and there's just this organic sprawling of, 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 of users around the world. And uh, one of the reasons that I attribute to our ability to do that is just it's a visual interface. As you mentioned, you've tried it yourself. It's kind of like mm -hmm. PowerPoint. You don't really need to know English in order to use Lumen5. It's quite visual. Um, and so and nowadays, the users are spread around the world. Uh, I would say, though, that our, our primary customer base is still English-speaking, North American mm -hmm. and European. And that's primarily uh, just through customer support, where we're able to better support them through educational content. We haven't really gone through a phase as a company to translate all of our documentation uh, into different languages. But English-speaking countries, which transcends beyond North America, of course, lots of European customers as well. Very good, very good. Well, I mean, if we're talking about languages, I mean, Lumen Sank, Lumen Piat, Lumen O. <laughs> Why well, Lumen buy, 5? <laughs> buy all these domains. Um, yeah, so the, 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 the name, it's, it's always a fascinating story for any company. Um, and, and there's always a fancy version of that, of that story. But for most people, mm -hmm. you can't, you, I, I would buy Lumen.com if I could. Uh, mm. You know, there's a domain name aspect to it. But we'll address two parts. So Lumen... Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the the, the runner-up, the kind of finalist was Oscar, was one of the names that were like, hey, it's friendly, you know, it, it obviously relates to video. But we mm -hmm. didn't we didn't go with it because it sounded intimidating. You know, Oscar is not it's mm -hmm. it's not accessible. It sounds sounds almost very exclusive, um, and it it felt too much like film to us. And and we're here to help people make simple videos, not complicated masterpiece Oscar-winning pieces. So we, we uh, went with the other one, which at the time was Lumen, which reminded us of lights, camera, action, and this idea ah. of the origin of video being this projector and light bulbs and so forth. Um, we liked the name Lumen. It, it kind of rolled nicely. Uh, and then as for the five, uh, that was baked into the, our vision of, okay, well, I think we would have accomplished our vision if we can help the average person create a video they love within five minutes. Mm. Uh, and so we went with the five. And um, I think we've largely hit that. You know, the average user is around six minutes. Uh, we're, we're, we've become more open to people spending longer on the video because, because we found that some people just want to. I think we were focused on the efficiency and productivity of it. But over time, we found that users fall in love with the process. And 
if they want to spend 15 minutes making the perfect video, that's it shouldn't be counted as a failure. Um, but that's all in the the history of the name. Oh, very cool, very cool. Well, I mean, tell me about co-founders. Did, were, did you have other co-founders? Was it just yourself? What was what was the separation of roles? Yeah, so um, separation of roles is is something that I've always enjoyed. The, my co-founders, um, Chris Bowell and Nigel Goodsman. Uh, so three of us in total. This is our second time working together. We built a marketing technology startup before that together as well. Uh, and the the synergy of skills just work really well. And the division of labor goes. Um, Chris is more of the product vision, product roadmap guy, but also a very strong technical background and a developer who builds a lot of these things in the early days. Uh, Nigel more in the engineering and infrastructure and, and scaling and building teams, but also very technical. So builds a lot of this stuff in the early days. Uh, and then myself, who takes care of most of the, the 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 business side, the sales, the marketing, customer support, and creating the organization around it. Um, and so, you know, you've got the. Um, I guess it also helps that I, I, I studied, happened to have studied design in school. Never claimed to be a designer because I've, I've gone on to hire great designers who are so much better than me. Um, but the, the design skills that I learned in school do help in the early days as you're creating your first mock-ups or MVPs. So the division, division labor is kind of the, the designer, hacker, hustler combination that you, you hear and read about. Um, and how we we gone on with the division of labor is myself as CEO, Chris as kind of the CPO, the chief product officer, and then Nigel as the CTO. Um, and that's always worked really well for us because it, it does carry our unique skills, our unique combination of skills carry us through the very early stages of being able to cover a, a lot of grounds in the early days, um, all the way through to scaling major, important, crucial departments with uh, minimal overlap, I would say. Very cool. And where, where did you uh, three meet? We met in a program called... At the time, Next36 in Toronto, they've rebranded to Next Canada. And it's mm -hmm. this neat little program in Canada that, that chooses 36 undergraduate students uh, and they fly you to Toronto and, and it kind of make you live there for three months, almost this reality TV show. Wow. Um, and it, it's all about uh, it's, its lectures, its, it's uh, hands-on experience, it's build a company. And so uh, we had exposure to entrepreneurship from, uh, uh, from, from our undergrad days. That's really, really cool. I mean, do you, do you think if you didn't do that, um, Lumen 5 would still exist? Or did you need that as kind of that, you know, that that aha moment? Hey, guys, you know, we just met. We're all ambitious and we all have a great, you know, complementary skills. Let's try to change the world. I mean. It's a, it's a fascinating question for sure. I, I, I do attribute a lot of what I've done to doing that program. And I think primarily it comes down to, or at least I believe, I believe entrepreneurs always find their way um, and, and, you know, that's what I say to people, whether they get into, let's say, Y Combinator or, or not, I think entrepreneurs will find a way with or without a, an accelerator accepting you. But I think what was very impactful for me is the Next Canada program brought students together from across the country. And so Chris mm -hmm. and Nigel are from Alberta. Um, mm -hmm. I, just, I just wouldn't have met them. And that, that would mm -hmm. be the, the simplest story. Uh, and the education and the opportunity aside, the, the, the chance to meet Chris and Nigel was at least life changing for me, and hopefully life changing for 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 our customers and our employees as well. <laughs> well, that's I mean that's such an interesting pro uh, program because I mean you're dealing at, at like even below the grassroots. Like this is this is pre idea. This is pre you know flicker of hey we'll even do it. This is just like hey you know what I'm interested in this entrepreneurial stuff. I want to mix with other entrepreneurs. Let's see if we can make a fancy cocktail together and uh, maybe change the world. So yeah. uh, wow, I, I I love that I love that idea, especially right out of school. I wish I had something like that. But uh, <laughs> you know we had we had the dot com the dot com boom bust, and that was that was a 
kick in the teeth slash, you know, <laughs> best education as well. So I, I totally dig that. Well, again, we chatted two weeks ago, maybe, maybe three weeks ago at, um, you know, the Vancouver coffee uh, chat on clubhouse. Yeah. Have you done any clubhouse chatting prior to that? What's, what's your thoughts on clubhouse? Uh, I've been a clubhouse listener, but never a clubhouse speaker. Uh, it was mm-hmm. fascinating for me. Um, well, the whole clubhouse concept is fascinating for me because it's, it's number one, real time. It's, they, they say it's, you can't record it. I, I'm sure people violate that policy and, and run their own recordings. But you know, assuming that it's not recorded, I think there is this, this uh, it creates a different environment for a conversation. Um, it's, it's, it, it almost feels like a, an actual water cooler and you just happen to be a fly on the wall. And as a design geek myself, you can really see it in, in a lot of the design pattern. You can, there's a strong focus of the people who are talking and the quote unquote flies on the wall are, are mm-hmm. pushed down in the UI. You don't really see them. And it creates an environment for two people to feel like they can really have an intimate, private, uh, and interesting conversations. And, and things tend to be said that are usually not said on record. And I think that's mm-hmm. what makes Clubhouse interesting. Uh, it tends to be significantly less scripted. Uh, you know, you could have a Clubhouse plan for 10 minutes and then it goes on. I've seen clubhouses go on for six hours. You know, people show up, they bring their opinions and points. So I think it's it's fascinating. And it's it's also fascinating because it's launching a time where a lot of us struggle from Zoom fatigue and just being on video. And, mm. and suddenly there's this audio only platform out there that's like, oh yeah, I'd love to chat with people. And this, this desire for connection is also something that's been robbed from us during the pandemic. So I, I think timeliness is, is a fascinating thing. But overall, I'm a big fan of the, the clubhouse philosophy and and what in what an uh, spontaneous private audio app looks like. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful in its simplicity, and I'm, I really you know treasure that you look at it from a designer's perspective because this is a UX marvel in my mind. You know, I mean, there really is very little UI. It's it's yeah. but, but to make a challenging concept relatively simple that you yeah. could just like start it right away. Eh, that you know it's cool and I, and I love chatting with the uh, you know the, the I don't know what you call them the crew the, the people yeah. uh and you know just to have that that catalyst uh, I think is really cool but I do question post pandemic when collision is actually in Toronto instead of <laughs> in my office um you know will it will it hold the same value I'm, I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure but um you know I'm glad we get to have it while we did I think you're bang on about timeliness yeah. um well you know what what makes, I mean, you said you're, you're, you're originally from Vancouver and your uh, two um, uh, partners are from Alberta. What makes Vancouver the city to, uh, to be in for, 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 your, for your startup, what, to, to, to be the center of uh, your business? Right, right. Uh, that's a great question. And it's, uh, it's uh, so during, during our time working together, and it's been you know, the three of us, as I mentioned before, built a company before this. So the, the undergrad days were quite a few years ago. And during that time, we built uh, our last company in Toronto. We traveled and, and built uh, our company across Europe. And so we spent some time living in Berlin and Barcelona. Fun. And um, and at the time was really like, well, where do we, as founders who ultimately have control over the business, where we started is a, is a major decision of how we want to build our own lives and also the, the business that we built. And so we went and explored these startup hubs around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a fascinating story that, that you, know, you always end up home. <laughs> and and I, I go to all these different cities and the more I visited them, the more I missed the amenities we have here in Vancouver. And it's this, you know, I'll address the the kind of the city itself, my perspective of it, and then maybe the 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 startup ecosystem after that. But just the combination of mountains and, and the, the sunshine, like today is a beautiful day. We've got these blue skies and you can go for a hike on the weekend if you want. I remember um, one of our one of our team members would go skiing and then show up to stand up at 9 a.m. So you can go to the mountain, go skiing 
have a full day of skiing if you're uh, an early riser and then still make it to work and then go to your day job. Um, so I, I think so there's a, no, not at all. And, and, and if we're thinking about work-life balance or, or just, just, you know, just a living life while getting work done, Vancouver is such a great place for that. And it's certainly mm. something I keep in mind as a, as a longer time founder is it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And um, my ability to maintain a, a mental wellness and health of mind over a long period of time, decades is important to long-term success. So Vancouver mm. has a lot of that for me. Um, and then now uh, switching gears to the startup ecosystem. What I love about the Vancouver startup ecosystem, it's, it's, it's got these, these, um, these sparks of ambition and it's, it's okay. We are obviously not the Valley, but you, you've got, we're close enough to the Valley that the people here aspires to doing something like the Valley did. They've got these Googles and mm -hmm. Facebook and we cheer on our, our, our Thinkifics and our Clios and our Hootsuites. Sure. Um, and so we're, we're in this early stage of, a, of the formation of an ecosystem where everyone's excited. And what I love about that, especially growing a team and hiring in this, in the city is they, they, they haven't been, it's not like they've been burned multiple times from startups that had great ambitions and failed or founders who didn't deliver on their promises. There's a lot of drama that happens in a mature and saturated ecosystem. Um, and so there's a lot of hopefulness, which is what you need, I think, in a startup. Um, in, in the Valley, I think they have a bit of a bad reputation for the mercenary mentality. You know, people oh, yeah. come in, they, 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 they take the salary, they take the offer, they flip it and a couple months later. And then it makes building a team very difficult. Um, whereas for us, sometimes we hire first-time startupers who've never joined a startup before, and it's a fascinating experience for them. And, and so there's many different reasons why I started here and continue to build businesses here. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And, and I mean, so you're, it looks like you're working from home today. I totally, totally understand that. Is the majority of your office completely moved to uh, remote at this point? Yeah, we've, uh, it's, it's been a roller coaster ride. And so we've mm -hmm. followed the government guidance. And when they did allow for socially distanced working throughout the year, we did. But nowadays, you know, the, the guidance that we're following is just mm -hmm. work from home if you can. And so we're all 100% remote now. Um, still uncertain as to, I mean, we're, we're, we're just paying attention to the news, still uncertain as to what's going to happen thereafter. No, I hear you. I hear you. Well, has, has, um, I mean, I don't want to say has COVID been good for business, but you know, at the end of the day has, has, you know, the, the, the changes, you know, the digital transformation required as well as, you know, kind of the, you know, not only side hustles, but also, you know, social media being, you know, my daughter's 15 and she's selling lots of stuff on Instagram. I mean, this is a whole new market has, has, has the time that we've been at home due to COVID has that been good for business? Yeah, so it's, I think the fascinating thing is startups thrive in changing environments. And so mm -hmm. the, the more disruption there is, the more shift there is in, in the way the world works and the economy, the more opportunities there is for a younger team, smaller team, startup team to be nimble and adapt and be able to shape products according to new circumstances. So in, in that sense, I think, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, the pandemic is never a good thing. But mm -hmm. as far as a startup is concerned, it creates opportunity. How, how do you help people during this time? How do you provide solutions specific, like we talked about with Clubhouse? How do you provide timely solution to a new situation? Mm -hmm. um, and so for us, the major move was that uh, we help people make videos. And we know that a majority of our customers are business customers who use video for thought leadership purposes. They're, they're creating content to build a brand. Uh, now, pre-pandemic, there's lots of opportunities to build brand. You're running conferences, you're running billboards, blimps, uh, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and when all of that went away, uh, everything went digital. 
And so mm -hmm. we saw a lot more user usage definitely spiked um, with, with more people seeking digital means for brand building and continuing the thought leadership stories. Um, but we found that um, pricing was difficult. So it's just willingness to pay was lower when the economy was uncertain. So while we had uh, usage spiked, um, revenue didn't grow as quickly, it didn't, didn't grow correspondingly, I guess, as the usage spiked. And so I think that was, a, that was an interesting angle that, that I've seen. Um, but some fascinating stories have come out of, uh, have come out of that year, of, of this pandemic year. So for example, um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm under NDA, so I won't drop names, but I'll, I'll simply say that we, we acquired two very fascinating customers this past year, uh, one leading vaccine manufacturer, I'll leave it to very your good. imagination, mm -hmm. and also a certain global health group, I'll leave it to your imagination as to who that is. And so those are two key customers that we worked with last year on the, on the um, just vaccine education, COVID education, uh, COVID myth busters programs and campaigns Good. through video content. Uh, and they struggled with the same thing. Health ambassadors are not video editors. You know, this global health group doesn't have a, a video production team that's just on standby. And by empowering their local ambassadors around the world, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the ease of Lumen5 to adapt um, video content to different languages really help them spread information about the virus uh, on, on different local uh, uh, um, jurisdictions and different countries and borders and so forth. And so those stories just wouldn't have happened. And that becomes mm -hmm. part of the Lumen5 legacy, where we can always look back at what happened in 2020 and the role that technology played in it and the role that we were able to play in it. So uh, as much as it's obviously a, a tragedy, um, no matter how you look at it, uh, we we, we are proud of the work that we've done to help the world during that time. As you should be. I mean, you know, you're superheroes. You're fighting misinformation, <laughs> which is the enemy of us all. So I, I, I am really glad to know that you are doing the good fight. And, uh, you know, I, I, I support that. Um, <laughs> to be clear, never consider us or anyone who works with us a frontline hero and anywhere in that level but for, for, for those who can't credit. see it michael is wearing a cape right now okay that's that's <laughs> all we're gonna go with um well well tell you what let, tell me your process so i'm assuming you know you've got a, you've got a, I, I know some of your developers for you know we actually they they've evolved from from us to actually one of them's to yours we, well i'm really really tickled uh you got him I, we don't need to name names but he's he was with us six or seven years ago. Great guy. And I remember the day he got hired because he actually reached out to me to ask what wow. my thoughts were. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know about this is a while back. I didn't know about Lumen five and he was so excited. And you know what, just to see his energy and his excitement to know that he'd be joining a really bleeding edge. He called it a bleeding edge AI company. And I, mm. I was, you know, so that was the first time I actually came across uh, you and, and, and got to live it through his excitement, which was awesome. But so you've got, you know, teams of engineers and designers, how, what's your process for, for coming up with new features? Like, is there, do you have a, a full-fledged process of, you know, well, to tell me what it is if you do. Yeah. I think as with many companies, there's probably multiple or there's not mm -hmm. a single silver bullet that solves all our problems. One of the more fascinating things that um, we work on is social media, video, visual trends are rapidly evolving. So one of the key process we follow is to, I, I, I on Instagram, we'll follow every brand that I think has a, a good thought leadership strategy that's multimedia or on YouTube and on Facebook. So uh, a lot of what I do personally is to watch these videos, pay attention to how they, they change over time. So for example, when we started Lumen5, Instagram stories wasn't really a thing. Now it is mm -hmm. a thing. So it's incredibly important for us as a team to pay attention to 
how do they adapt their existing key messages um, into a new format? And then how do we support that use case? So one of the, one of the um, ways to understand how we do what we do is video production or video creation or video design is obviously done with or without us. Um, the problem we solve is to democratize storytelling from just um, trained and experienced professionals using complicated software to allow anyone to do it. So one of the ways in which we can learn is just to watch these professionals, which obviously still continue to do their work. Um, and I, I love a lot of the videos that they create and, and, and we really pay attention to these big budget productions. Uh, and then we reverse engineer it. We deconstruct it to its base mm -hmm. elements and essentials and ask ourselves if we were to enable someone like you or me to do that work, what would that look like? And so that's, um, that's one of the process that we try, the, the reverse engineering of what professional video editors do. Very cool. Very cool. Are you guys on the Tiki Talk too? I, I have to ask you about the Tiki Talk because <laughs> uh, Aaron, Aaron and Shreya love when I ask about Tiki Talk. So uh, two, two answers there. I, as an individual, am on Tiki Talk because <laughs> I think it's really important for me to pay attention to upcoming trends. Uh, as a product and, and as a customer base, that's not where we've been. Um, and one of the reasons for that is we, we found that we really specialize in serving businesses and brands. And um, earlier you heard me talk about a video creation for thought leadership contents. Um, what we found is that there are certain platforms like Snapchat, TikTok, uh, which are very consumer oriented. It's, it's almost mm -hmm. C2C, if you will. And we haven't seen businesses adopt it in a significant way. I know we're starting to, and, and that's how we view um, new social channels emerge is I'll identify something like TikTok and then I kind of have a maturity score to it uh, from a business perspective and go, okay, well, this isn't the right year. Businesses haven't really figured out how to adopt it, um, but maybe something for next year. It's hard to predict how these platforms come and go. I love what you just said about you have a scorecard. Like, you know, you try to figure out, because we, we do the exact same thing. Like yeah. from the is this a technology we want to look into to, is this a client we, you know, even want to engage with? Uh, do you have a scorecard in your processes or is that like in multiple processes or is that just a, a gut feeling most of the time? We have scorecards for everything. <laughs> Good, so you should. We're, we're a scorecard company for sure. And, and it's everything to a scorecard for the channel and how it's relevant to our customer base. And then also a scorecard for our solution and as to how it matches each channel. And uh, because of the business leaning and the thought leadership focus, we see that YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook tends to be bigger platform for us. Uh, and how we track that is just when people create a video, where do they post it? And, and we find that disproportionately, they're almost always likely to post it on some combination of YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Uh, I, I haven't yet seen TikTok being used as a thought leadership platform for brands and businesses quite yet, but I have no doubt that We'll figure it out. Uh, not not we particularly, but I think the world, the world of business and brand building, will figure out how to do it on TikTok. Yeah, or just move on to the next thing. Or just my, move my on kids, to the next thing. They jump back and forth like you won't <laughs> believe, but they do love the Tiki Talk. Um, well, you know what? Can you tell me about you're with TEDx SFU? Can you yes. tell me a little well, bit about that? <laughs> it's 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 uh, being with TEDx SFU is always a. Uh, an interesting description. So TEDx SFU mm -hmm. is is kind of a, or TEDx, all TEDx organizations are a mm -hmm. bit of a generational process. And so my yeah. involvement in particular was filing for the license to create TEDx SFU. This was dating myself here, but probably 10, 11 years ago. Okay. Um, and so the, the I, I, as a younger version mm -hmm. of myself, loved TED and I would watch TED all day, every day. Um, and at the same time, was very curious about local stories that were happening. Uh, you know, if you got Ryan Holmes that's doing these things, and I'm like, why isn't Ryan Holmes talking about social media and Hootsuite? Uh, we've got John Furlong, who's just ran at the time the Vancouver Olympics, and a fascinating mm -hmm. story there if you haven't followed it. 
Um, and it's why aren't those stories, why aren't they featured on TED? Uh, and so I looked into the process of what does it look like if I want to surface these stories and then how, how do I go about doing so? And that's what spawned the, the inspiration for filing to become a licensee for TEDxSFU. And the pitch was very simple. You know, here's a list of amazing individuals that uh, you probably already heard of, like uh, some of the ones that I mentioned. Um, and I, I want to bring those stories to light. And so I was approved that as, as a licensee in the first TEDx uh, SFU. So that was the university for those unfamiliar. You know, TEDx SFU, Simon Fraser University. That's mm -hmm. where I studied for my undergrad. Um, some of the key speakers that we brought in that first year: uh, Jim Chu, a police officer who who used. Or, yeah. A superintendent, head of police, who used yep. social media uh, to 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 capture slash identify um, criminals at the time. I believe that was uh, coming out of the riot. So it was just fascinating story about the evolution of of policing and social media. We've got Ryan Holmes who talked about social media and and Hootsuite and and uh, John Furlong who talked about mm -hmm. the the journey of 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 Vancouver Olympics. And so that was that was how it all started. It was. Um, it was it was a fascinating conference for me to have that experience uh, and to have those stories told and they're immortalized. You can go on YouTube, search TEDxSFU, type some of these names, and you can still hear their talks today. Very cool. I like to think you're being immortalized right now, but <laughs> but I did. This well, is the having, TED of today. Oh yeah, this is the yeah the, the tea. Well, this is the the afternoon tea afternoon of today. TED. Come on, <laughs> afternoon tea, ED <laughs> man. We can do whatever we want. We're pretty we're pretty comfortable with that. Um, well, having the prefix TED did that make it easier to get? talent, because it is hard to get people to commit to, to something like that Would, um, for speakers. Um, does having Ted part of it make it easier? 100%. I, I don't think 100%. anyone would have showed up if I just ran a random conference. So uh, I should have licensed this as Ted afternoon tea <laughs> then. That, that's the way I should have gone. That, that, that's what brings the people. It's the red fonts, the big logo. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Well, you know what? The whole mission here, uh, Michael, is, you know, to to tell the story of, you know, Canada's successful entrepreneurs to to help that next generation expedite their journey. You know, maybe maybe learn one thing um, that makes it a little bit faster. I know I wish I had something like that when I was uh, starting this journey. Oh, my gosh, way too many years ago. Um, but can you give one piece of advice uh, to Canada's next generation of entrepreneurs um, or current that that can benefit. Just one piece of advice that you've learned along your journey. Yeah, um, a, a mistake that I've always made and one that I continue to make sometimes and that I see everyone makes is just thinking that you can do more that you can. I think entrepreneurs, especially early younger entrepreneurs, tend to be capable and, and they can do lots of things and they tend to be jack of all trades that can tackle all of these things. But ultimately, a company doesn't start to build until the founder realizes they, that they can't do it alone. A company is a collection of people. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's often a, a shift in mindsets for early stage entrepreneurs who tend to be high performers, who can do a lot of these things. They tend to be um, kids who, are, who will go through school projects and feel like they alone can do the entire project. And so it's shifting that to acknowledging that in, in order to do something much bigger, much greater, you need people. You need expertise from all sorts of different fields. And, and that's true even to today. As the company size that we are, I still need to consistently reevaluate what am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? How do I delegate to people that are far smarter than me and that will always be far smarter than me? Um, and just realizing that no one person can be good at everything and hiring specialists and people who are really passionate about their specific fields is how companies grow. Um, and just sharing that burden. I think it's, it's just it's too much to expect any single individual to solve world problems. Um, and the, the role of the founder of, and of the CEO in particular is just to find people who are passionate about solving the problems and then collaborating on it.
I love that. I think that's so bang on. I mean, I, I always tell people I only have two talents when they ask me about, you know, the leadership <laughs> role. I say I can talk and I can find people who are much better at the job than me. And, you know, and just make sure that they have the tools to succeed. You know, that that's right. it. So, hey, Mike, thank you so much. That I think that's great advice. And and, and congratulations, you know, on on the journey, the trip that, you know, that Lumen 5 is. And I can't wait to be watching the the either the the, the massive exit you deserve or the continuation of domination in the space for the next 20 years and uh, you know i'll be i'll be cheering you and the team on thank you i i would very much like either of those outcomes <laughs> excellent 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 ahoy afternoon tea listeners if you got this far i assume you like this episode and that is awesome thank you in such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at TTT, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Mm-hmm.